Let's go, girls. And we are back. Kelsey Lachlan and Brady Stiff. It is March 8th, the day we're recording. Kelsey, I'd be remiss if I didn't start off with International Women's Day. So happy International Women's Day to you. And today marks five years with Anne. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) What an excellent anniversary. And Ah. good on her for allowing me to record tonight. So thank you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, geez, that's awful. Shame on you. If I had known, if only I w- this is the reason that my kids have been such jerks the time that we've been recording. I'm Full sure disclosure, they were in protest. In my defense, I did say it's okay if we don't record this week. <laughs> <laughs> she nods her head she's like, yep, a, you did say that. <laughs> she's such a good woman. Yeah, I don't know how she feels about International Women's Day. Um, I'm torn between... Um, being like a little bit offended that there needs to be an international women's day and that women are considered a subset. Um, and then also torn between this idea of like, well, obviously there are a lot of issues that need to be worked out. And the only way to do that is to bring attention to them. So I'm like very weirdly in the middle on national women's day. Well, I I thought about this today. Um, and I was like, well, why don't we just make mother's day? But then I realized, of course, not every woman is a mother, so that doesn't fit. Um, Mm -hmm. although I suppose you could make them one and the same and just celebrate women everywhere just in general. But, um, I don't know. It's an interesting concept. I mean, I, I will say I am a big believer in kind of putting resources where they're needed the most. Um, so like I, I think about uh, this is maybe like a bad analogy, but um, you're not going to you're not going to fix something that's not broken because right. you don't need to. Um, and so sometimes I'm like, like I said, a little bit offended that there needs to be like a women's day. Like, why? Why does there need to be a women's day? I'm like, why can't it just be that every day is Women's Day? Um, and then the other side of me is like, well, it's broken, needs some fixing. So until we can get, you know, every day being Women's Day, it, you know, or People's Day, more importantly, yeah. um, we'll, we'll have to go with this. So we'll see. Um, progress is progress, I suppose. And um, I was a little bit excited, both when you wished me a happy International Women's Day and when Kevin did. Um, I think that that actually does speak to the effectiveness of some of those thoughts permeating. I'll, I'll say this. Really cool. um, before I came over to Ann's tonight, I stopped at Jewel to get flowers, and mm-hmm. lots of men were doing the same exact thing. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's probably not their anniversary. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. No, definitely not. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> well, well, hey. Yeah, um, I... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, you, you had a last nope. thought there. No, no, go okay. ahead. Um, so uh, before we uh, recorded uh, today, and really like up until yesterday, um, I really didn't think there was going to be a lot of sports to talk about uh, this week because you know uh, you know obviously we're still in that soft spot in the calendar, and um, you know the the basketball tournament starts next week. The uh, NCAA basketball tournament, I should say, starts next week, so that'll be obviously in the spotlight. And baseball's still locked out, so. But there ended up being some some pretty major news uh, come down yesterday and today. And um, I, I want to start with yesterday's. We're going to talk about this um, in detail with with Dave Ross, uh, an old friend of the show who um, has a lot of thoughts about gambling and the NFL and sports, uh, partly because, you know, he's now involved in that world from a media coverage perspective in Las Vegas, but also just as a sports reporter in general. 
Uh, so we'll talk to him about that and a number of other things coming up a little bit later on. But the major news yesterday, Kelsey, is Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley was, for lack of a better term, busted for gambling on NFL games in season. Now, he wasn't playing in these games. However, as a player in the league, gambling on games that are happening in the current season, very much frowned upon, and he was suspended for an entire year. How about that? Uh, my my basic reaction is that I I approve of a, a fairly extensive punishment in this case because I think that a, an entire season out is a big deal. Um, and I think that you really need to take the sport as seriously as possible in a lot of ways. Like the sport, these sports mean something to people. And we've seen scandals, particularly around gambling and throwing games, although I know that's not the exact instance of what happened here. We've seen that just completely devastate a sport. And I just think that this is an appropriate reaction um, because I think he knew better and I think he should have known better if he didn't know better. And I like to see action actually happening in these cases, because I feel like very often things happen in sports that just go completely un, um, I guess for lack of a better term, punished. Yeah. But just, you know, those things go free. So I was actually very happy to see it. Um, and I don't know, what are your thoughts? Do you agree? Do you think it was too much? No, not at all. Um, not, not, not at all. It's, you know, one of the, um, the takes that's out there is that NFL players should be allowed to bet on games. I 100% disagree wholeheartedly. Look, if you're involved in any way with these games, yes, gambling has been around sports forever. You know, we're always finding new ways to gamble on sports. Um, But we, when I say we, we're the general public. We're not involved in these games, right? Mm -hmm. We're not involved in coaching, playing, um, generally managing anything, right? Mm -hmm. If you have any influence at all, in the outcome of a football game or a basketball game or whatever, right? Officials, right? We've seen it with in the NBA with Tim Donaghy. Yes. Fascinating book, by the way. His his bi- I believe he wrote it, uh, his biography. So you get his side of the story. Um, Interesting. Fascinating book. And not just because I'm a basketball official, just, you know, knowing what happened. And um, anyways, I digress. Um, <laughs> if you have any influence at all whatsoever about um, – there are in a game, right? You should not mm-hmm. be allowed to gamble on it. And to that end, you know, maybe you shouldn't be allowed to gamble on anything. Um, I, I don't know if I want to go that extreme, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I know from, you know, an official standpoint, um, they, I, I would imagine that officials at the highest level, so professionals, I would imagine that they are prohibited from gambling. I don't know for sure, um, but I would imagine that for perception's sake, that they should not be caught in a casino, at a racetrack, anything. Yeah. Just for perception's sake, right? If I see, I'm just going to use um, the name of a retired NFL referee, Ed Hockley, right? Everybody knows Ed Hockley. He's the big biceps guy. He's the long explanation guy. Everybody knows who Ed Hockley is. If, sure. If I see him at Churchill Downs on Kentucky Derby Day, my assumption is he enjoys gambling. And he's the referee of potentially a Super Bowl the most gambled on sporting event in the world. Yeah. What am I supposed to think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's, uh, 
I think it's such a joke that people have the argument out there that players should be allowed to gamble. Like, why is this even a question? Why right. are we even talking about this? How can there be another take on it? Um, and maybe that's just me kind of being closed-minded, but um, as somebody who doesn't even, you know, love sports <laughs> the way that you do, right? I'm not like super passionate about sports. Sure. Um, but if they're going to be played, I, I feel like they should be played correctly. Um, yeah, you want the integrity of the game. Watch them. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're spot on. You you want the game to have integrity, right? You you want Absolutely. the outcome to not be predetermined. Yeah, yeah, it's well, it's you know I think it's it's an, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to say it's an innocent mistake because you know Calvin Ridley is just trying to be like one of us. He wasn't playing. He was out for personal yeah. reasons. He wanted to gamble. He wanted some action, right? He can do that when he retires. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, now he's going to be out for an entire year, and you know, hopefully, he doesn't gamble on football again because that's going to only prolong his expansion, uh, expansion, uh, suspension. <laughs> um, yep. And by the way, he's not out just for a year; he's out for at least a year. It could be longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I thought I read something today about how his team was holding him back um, in trade talks, specifically because they weren't really sure what was going to happen with yeah. him. And yeah. I thought, like, I was comforted by that. In amongst all this kind of annoying crap, you know, these guys were making a conscious effort not to fool anybody, and I liked that. I yeah. That was... Good move. It's a very good yeah. move. Um, so the other major news uh, out of the mm -hmm. NFL, and, um, you know, the NFL tries to dominate the entire year, right? Uh, you know, obviously baseball hasn't started, and even now, you know, normally – They'd still be in spring training, you know, not a lot of news per se, but uh, mm -hmm. the NFL tries to dominate the calendar. Well, the scouting combine just happened this past weekend, and now we get news today, Tuesday, March 8th, of two very prominent quarterbacks, um, one staying with the same team, the other moving teams, and the one staying uh, with his team is none other than Aaron Rodgers. And uh, this, <laughs> this decision has been long awaited ever since they lost to the 49ers in the playoffs. What was Aaron Rodgers going to do? Was he going to retire? Was he going to, um, you know, uh, move to another team? Who, who, who knew what he was going to do? Um, but now, apparently, the Packers have offered him a four-year, $200 million deal, which he has oh, <laughs> yeah, he, he's denied those numbers as being accurate, but widely reported so you know by the time it can it can it can become official um you know it's probably going to come out that that's what it is i mean can you imagine a 50 million dollar average annual value for a contract i think it's what did i see 137 million guaranteed um i mean for a quarterback who's nearing 42 by the way um just ridiculous numbers thrown out there by the green bay packers so major news out of green bay um and if you're a bears fan like i am um you're like, well, shit. <laughs> and here we go again. Yeah. It felt pretty anticlimactic um, after so much discussion of what's going to happen, so much hypothetical, et cetera. And again, this is maybe a reason why I'm not a big sports fan um, because it feels exhausting going through all of those potential possibilities and then coming back to, well, nothing's going to change. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) From a fan perspective, I mean, bravo to Aaron for his outrageous paycheck. Um, Although I think that's um, more money than any person should have. Um, (laughs) You know, good for him. But from a fan perspective, absolutely nothing has changed except he's getting a year older. Um, And so I don't know. I think it's, I kind of was expecting movement. I don't know if you were. Um, I was actually, I was a little bit expecting maybe a retirement announcement. What were you thinking? Did you see this coming? I think my gut said he would go back to the Packers just because um, they still have a dynamic offense. Okay. I, I didn't think he wanted to go somewhere where they were going to have to build around him, right? He already He's already established in Green Bay, and you know even after that uh, agreement was announced today, they've uh, they put the franchise tag on Devontae Adams. So, um, you know, he knows he's got his number one receiver there, too. So okay. uh, that was the place where he was going to be most established, uh, not have to, you know, learn everything. Not, not that he's going to be, you know, coached like, uh, uh, like a rookie would, but, you know, things are just different when you go to a new franchise, right? Um, he likes head coach Matt LaFleur. Um, everything seems to be okay from a relationship standpoint with the the front office, which has been a point of contention there. So, yeah, yeah I think my gut said back to Green Bay for him. But, uh, you know, it, with if he hadn't gone back to Green Bay, I, I thought, I may be way off here, but I thought the Bears had a legit shot to get back to the playoffs through the NFC North just because the division was not going to be that good, you know? Yeah. Kirk Cousins and, and Jared Goff don't scare me all that much. Um, and then, you know, Jordan Love, you know, uh, you know his first attempt at starting in the NFL didn't scare me at all. Um, and then you have Justin Fields who, you know, under a new coach, I mean, obviously we, we have a lot to learn about what the Bears are going to be, but the NFC North without Aaron Rodgers is wide open. But mm-hmm. I digress, Aaron Rodgers is still here apparently for four more years. So there's that. (laughs) Uh, And then the other major news, Kelsey, is that uh, Russell Wilson was traded out of Seattle today to the Denver Broncos. So going from NFC West to AFC West, um, our buddy Steve was uh, disheartened by that news for sure. He texted me and Kevin that, uh, 2022 has been a little rough for him. Uh, <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> and it, it turns 35. It, it turns lost 35. Russell. Lost Russell Wilson. Yeah, exactly. So um, uh, I don't know how he's going to do with the Broncos. Again, time will tell. But uh, that's that's major news, especially a year after there were a lot of rumors about Russ coming to Chicago, um, mm-hmm. you know, and being the Bears quarterback. So, um, you know, things had kind of fallen apart in Seattle for the Seahawks and um, probably time for a change of scenery for Russell Wilson. So I, I guess you could say, Kelsey, the opposite applies to Russell that does Aaron Rodgers. Yes, I was thinking that. I, I actually kind of thought he was going to stay put um, and vice versa what happened. But I think, um, you know, Steve will be just as happy uh, rooting for Colorado as he would be for <laughs> Washington, I think he's uh, he's the, got well, they, that at heart. They, they do have family there. They do have family there. The yeah. podcast, Steve. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, we'll have to see how that changes dynamics out that way, and uh, it'll be an interesting NFL season. Uh, I think we can say that. And I I found your point interesting about how they like to try to dominate the entire year. Oh, they haven't really occurred do. to me, yeah. but I mean, they have the fewest games by far of any major league uh, sport. And Correct. they really, truly do. 
And I kind of wonder why you think they're able to do that. Like, what is it that allows that? Is it just that the game is so much better because, or is it just that it's so American? Like, what is it that keeps our attention even Yes, when... to all of that, yes. Yeah, so the, right. the game itself is innately American, sure. Um, we have our allegiances, of course. Um, that goes a long way. Um, gambling is most, as, you know, like sports gambling, I think, is most yeah. associated with football. Um, and the game itself is made for TV, right? Action for 10 seconds, uh, break for yeah. 30 seconds. Action for 10 seconds, break for 30 seconds, right? You have your play-by-play, -play, then you have your analyst. It's formulaic, right? You watch a play, you check your phone. You watch a play, you check your phone. It's It's... You know, fantasy, everything that's gone into the NFL over the last even 20 years. Um, but then, when I say they dominate the calendar, okay, so the NFL season starts, you get your preseason games in August, the regular season September through end of December, early January, Super Bowl now mid-February, right? Now, yep. since they've added the, the extra game, um, scouting combine early March, draft end of April, and then it's just a, a couple of short months before training camp opens. I mean, it, it is a year-round thing. Crazy. Yeah. I think I told you that football used to be my favorite sport um, purely because it only happened once a week. And I was, <laughs> and I was able to only have to watch one game a week and, and but it's pay an attention event. to that. And then, it's an then event. fantasy football. Fuck. <laughs> fantasy football just screwed me over so hard and thursday night football and sunday night or monday night football and like how many different nights are you all gonna play that part that, i yeah it's too much that part's yeah. too much for me and they're games that used to be totally irrelevant to us but with fantasy football now are Correct. so very relevant Correct. Uh, indeed yep. yeah 100%. so i am exhausted by the end of uh <laughs> fantasy football season like I, I I'm I'm in two leagues and I, I know people who are in like six, seven leagues. I'm like, dude, I can't do that. Um, no, I, I'm in two leagues. I love it, but I'm exhausted by the end of it, especially if I'm in contention. Just you know, mm -hmm. keeping up with it every week is it, it's it really is exhausting. And I don't mean to sound like, you know, woe is me. No, I but... think it I think it is, and I I like the concept of it. Right, basically, you're like in the, you know the original. You're creating a fantasy team. And how fucking cool is that? Um, I just wish it were for like Quidditch or something. I think <laughs> that's the most that's the most Kelsey thing you've ever said. It's possible. <laughs> I like I I remember feeling when I was Kelsey today. <laughs> <laughs> feeling very Olympic today. Um, <laughs> yes. I don't know what that accent was. It definitely wasn't Jamaican. Um, no, but I don't care. I got it. I was there with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember when I was a, a kid. You know, not even ten years old. Uh, my grandpa telling me about his fantasy football leagues and having to get the yes. stats out of the box scores in the newspaper the yes, next day. I remember this story. Because ESPN and Yahoo and CBS fantasy football websites didn't exist Correct. in the mid-90s. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's been going on forever. Um, yeah, so there, there's there's a lot that goes into football that, that makes it dominate, dominate the calendar. Um, so to answer your question, it's, a lot, but yes, it, it definitely does dominate the calendar. I know that we're going to talk March Madness a little bit later, um, but I just want to bring up our March Madness here in the Lachlan household. Yeah, please. Because, of course, we you know, will watch the tournament, um, but I only have limited interest in that. 
Um, I do fill out a bracket, and I occasionally beat the pants off Kevin. Mostly <laughs> I just get bored and highlight in random colors. Um, but most importantly, the Tournament of Champions is happening on Food Network right Ooh, now. Oh, okay, yeah. And they have an extra, they doubled the competitor size this year. So the pool is 32 people, chefs, not people, chefs, who are competing <laughs> And uh, Kevin and I were so excited. We um, tried to watch. I don't know if I mentioned this last week. We tried to watch the opening episode, and I think it took us five nights to watch it. Oh, my God. Because um, it was two hours, so it was longer than normal. And we just, like, couldn't get our kids to shut up long enough uh. to, like, watch something. <laughs> After they went to bed, we were so tired that we were, like, <laughs> falling asleep. And I said, God, this is the saddest bracket game i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> yeah i mean so, the the college basketball tournament is one of those where it might behoove you to know less because you won't like i think that's true yeah you won't Wasn't freak out Joe about Chris effect was saying you can handicap the shit out of the derby and it's just uh, you know it, it at matter. the end of the day it's a horse race anything Correct. could happen yeah, yeah. i yeah. feel like that's kind of the the same strategy for march madness yeah. it's like you yeah. you can you can sit there and you can drive yourself crazy looking at every single thing that there is but in the end just pick the name that feels right <laughs> the colors yeah. that you like exactly. I mean, that's, the, that's exactly. my horse racing motto as well <laughs> so. well hey we, we've got a, a really awesome conversation with dave ross and um i i went longer with him than i intended um mm -hmm. so let's let's get to this week in history because i want to get to that uh that conversation with dave brady I decided to do something different this week. This is two so, weeks in a row now that something I different. I know. I will tell you, last week was fun. I liked what we did, but I decided that history is too sad. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, learning, I'm learning too much, and not that I want to turn a blind eye to what has happened, but the weeks are just a little depressing at the moment. So okay. instead, I followed the lead of one of the billboards uh, up on my way to my in-laws and it has fun facts about national quote-unquote national holidays that come up and i want to tell you that i found a website oh called national today okay that has the most absurd days national days um that you've ever heard of so march 8th in addition to being international women's day which we've already covered is also national peanut cluster day <laughs> not not Joining... just peanuts but specifically peanut clusters like when's peanut national clusters. peanut butter day i think it's like the turtle or brittle right? the, the yeah. fanny Mae turtle but they can't say turtle <laughs> the best part there's a national peanut cluster day timeline and apparently these were invented in 1847 by a guy named joseph fry this website has just been bringing me so much joy you've got nothing done. Like, went from <laughs> zero productivity at work oh my god <laughs> so um it is in fact Commonwealth day which if you are a fan of um the british royalty um you've probably at least heard of this before you said commonwealth um, day commonwealth day yeah okay. and so basically um it's I think originally it was called Empire Day or something. Um, but there are a lot of uh, countries within the UK Commonwealth 
um, that we'll still kind of celebrate. Um, I don't think that Britain typically does, um, which is kind of interesting, but a lot of, uh, there's like a history of the Commonwealth countries celebrating this day. Okay. So, March 9th, there are, again, some lovely things that we could do. For example, National False Teeth Day. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Was that founded by George Washington? I guess I have to look. Hold on. <laughs> there is actually like history and ridiculousness on this. I mean, just reading this is funny. National False Teeth Day is observed every year on March 9th to raise awareness about the necessity of dental care. Okay. <laughs> and then there's a whole thing. So false teeth were apparently invented in 700 BC. Wow. Dentures okay. are made from human and animal teeth by Etruscans in Northern Italy. So they took dead human teeth and made them into dentures for people. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense to me. <laughs> Isn't this way more fun than what we were doing before? <laughs> well, especially if it was going to be, you know, super sad and negative this week in history. This is very so. lighthearted. It's yeah. really bringing me joy. <laughs> um, apparently the first porcelain teeth were in 1770, so right around the time of George Washington as yeah. you... Uh, as you said. So um, that's, there are other things on the 9th, but that was the one that really jumped out at me. Uh, March 10th, I will do one this day in history, 1955, Sue Barch was born. Ah, happy, happy birthday. birthday, mom. Yep, that's coming up soon. Um, but also, in case you're curious, uh, National Mario Day and is in fact the game system. <laughs> I was going to say, was it? <laughs> It's a me, a Mario. It's a Mario, <laughs> yes. Um, because of the way it's written, M A R ten looks like Mario. Oh yeah, okay. I think I'd heard that somewhere along the line before. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, this is just absolute ridiculousness, but these things make me happy. It's also International Bagpipe Day, and this is what I was giggling at. Big day for the Scotsman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a really great photo of a guy playing a bagpipe that I'm going to share with you. And okay. it's fabulous. Uh, right along to March 11th, this is how specific we get. National Oatmeal Nut Waffles Day. Oh, come on. <laughs> I just wanted that reaction from you. That oh, it, it is real. Not real, but I mean, it's here. But I was like, I have to say this just because. So I, I saw this on Twitter today, not to derail the conversation, but um, March do. 11th, think about two years ago, middle of March, right? COVID was just starting to become like serious, right? Yeah. Um, so March 11th was the day that um, right as an NBA game was about to start between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Utah Jazz, mm -hmm. literally, they were about to come on the floor for tip off. League officials walked onto the floor, brought the three officials together, and postponed the game because mm -hmm. Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus. Correct. And you're just, just reflecting on the fact that it's just been wild. two years? Yes. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> – and, and then, like, three hours later, the entire league was shut down. I mean, just – Three hours later, the whole world was shut down. Yeah. Yeah, legit. I mean, it was wild. And then, yeah. like, the, the next week, like, college basketball conference tournaments were canceled. And, 
um, wild times. Anyways, I digress. Go ahead. Yeah, Coviversary, Coronaversary yeah. Yeah. is coming up. That's it, Coronaversary. <laughs> Coronaversary, wow. If that's not already trademarked, put that shit out yeah. there. <laughs> um, so March 11th, in addition to being this horrible day for the NBA, National Funeral Director and Mortician Recognition Day. That's a job that I would never, ever, ever want. And this is why you owe them a thank you on March 11th. Send your local funeral director a thank you note for all the hard work they do. Uh, this one I thought was particularly interesting. I don't know if you've ever heard of this before. This is National Promposal Day. This has got to be a new phenomenon. I believe in, indeed it is. Although technically... Um, it says the act of take of asking your boo to prom in a super elaborate way was first invented in 2001, as far as we can tell. Okay. I don't know where the hell they get that, but um, yes, apparently promposal is now a thing. Oh, it's a, it's a thing. Find... Yeah, you see these <laughs> videos ridiculous. pop up on you know viral social media, and and I will say that none of my promposals were elaborate but i did i didn't just say hey you want to go to prom like i did something oh interesting you know what it, was your most elaborate i'm curious oh god um i want to say my most elaborate it, it wasn't for prom i think it was for homecoming okay deal um this had to have been yeah it was senior year um rachel you know rachel um i do Yep. So asked her to homecoming. Uh, we were. <laughs> you're gonna laugh, but um, wait, was this the balloons? No, this wasn't the balloons. Although that was, I helped you with that. You did. Uh, that was elaborate, but uh, for this one, I involved the entire marching band because we were both in marching band, and we <laughs> we went outside for um, rehearsal uh, for marching that day, and um, I had as she walked out, I had the entire band play the song hey baby and like had a sign that said will you go to homecoming with me damn that was, that was like the most elaborate thing i did yeah i wow Bree, i didn't know you had that in you <laughs> well, i had the help I'm of an entire quite marching impressed. band yeah wow yeah. bravo um i'm trying to think of the most elaborate way i was asked to a dance i was asked to a dance on various poster boards there were several poster boards involved in my my dance um, invitations. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Luke, uh, Anderson wrote it on a shirt. But you went and to a dance with Luke Anderson. I did freshman homecoming. That was freshman homecoming. Oh, yeah, where I, you were reined into your yes, house. I was, um, yeah. I don't remember that you went to that dance with Luke. Wow. Kevin would prefer not to remember. <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah. So this Friday is a uh, promposal day. Um, March 12th has a couple of interesting ones. My favorite of which is International Fanny Pack Day. They're making a comeback. How do you feel about fanny packs? No, it's an awful look. They are so handy, though. I'm sure they're practical as hell. It's just mm -hmm. like the, the whistle mask I used to wear last season for, for <laughs> basketball. Practical and functional as hell. It looks terrible. <laughs> Did I ever show I you the picture of that? Or you, you've yes, seen it in, it in use? It ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just, I also remember um, Anne telling me that when she got her Stitch Fix preview, they they were going to send her a, 
a fanny pack. And she was like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, nope. no, no, no. <laughs> nope, nope. I know they're making a comeback, but not Smart. for me. <laughs> uh, March 13th, National Canine Veterans Day, which is super adorable. And that movie is coming out or already maybe came out. Um, I think it's just called Dog. Yeah, with, I, saw, I saw a preview uh, yeah. of that, yeah. With what's-his-face, the good-looking one, Channing Tatum. <laughs> Tatum Channing? Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum, I don't know. Yes. That's a weird that, name. That's his name, yeah. I'm really tired, guys. I'm sorry. Um, so that's coming out on the 13th, which I think is really sweet. Um, it's also National Good Samaritan Day. So ah, the 13th okay. on Sunday is kind of a fun little day. And uh, rounding out our lovely week of happiness March 14th, you might actually be able to guess. Well, it's pie day. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should all get some pie. Not P-I-E day. Right, P-I. P-I. 3.14. Um, so anyone who's looking to uh, get some pie and be extra punny, that's your day. There it is. Supposedly, it's also National Napping Day. So I think the 14th of March is now my favorite day of the hey, year. Hey, there's nothing wrong with taking a nap at like, like I, I don't know what's too too late to nap, but like 3 o'clock, if you're feeling a little drowsy, lay down for 30, 45 minutes, you're good to go. I'm an afternoon napper for sure. Yeah, like the 2 to 3 hour is exactly where I want to fall asleep. Two, oh, I thought you meant like a 2 to 3 hour nap. Also that, <laughs> but no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> like I, I'm not yes. sleeping that night if if that happens. Yeah. Oh, anyway, that was a, that was our week, and next week we're gonna do it again because I just okay. feel like we need to pick me up. Yeah, a couple nicely weeks done. Here. Nicely done. I hope everyone enjoyed our change of pace. <laughs> All right, well let's get let's get to our conversation with Dave Ross. He's a repeat guest of the program, but always brings the heat and uh, has lots of good thoughts on college basketball. Uh, Vegas, the Calvin Ridley situation, uh, Russia and Ukraine. You know, as as a former Marine, he's got a uh, unique perspective there. And uh, some thoughts on Major League Baseball, too, and, and whether or not we'll see uh, baseball being played here in 2022. So let's get to that right now. And we're back again, Brady Stiff and Kelsey Laughlin with uh, another repeat guest of the podcast, but very timely in in several ways, actually. And uh, when I first pitched uh, Kelsey, when I first pitched Dave the, the idea of coming on this week, uh, it was really to talk about Russia and Ukraine and um, sort of the the connections with sports that have uh, come across over the last week and a half or so. And we touched on a little bit last week, but uh, but wanted to bring Dave and get his perspective. But then with some of the news that's broken over the last twenty four to forty eight hours in the sports world. Um, and what's coming up in the next few weeks. Dave's visit is all the more timely. So welcome back, Dave Ross. How are you, man? <laughs> I'm great. It's great to be back on with you guys. And yeah, you know, uh, since moving out here to Vegas, I, and it's so funny with all the people that come out here that I talk to now, Vegas feels like it's becoming the new, I don't want to say the epicenter of sports in America, but they're getting closer to it. And when you see like, you know, the NFL draft, you see other things that are starting to come out this way. Uh, and you see with the Raiders now in town, sports is really starting. This has become a full, you know, one-stop shopping, if you will. Now there's rumors of the major league baseball team. If major league baseball ever gets their act together of them coming out to Las Vegas and an NBA team as well. So 
I, I, like I just got here in September and even in the not even year that I've been here, I feel like Vegas is still exploding, not only in the gambling space, obviously, but in the sports central space. Well, and it seems as if like, you know, in the past, Las Vegas has been taboo for sports because of the implications yes. that come with Las Vegas and and what could happen. And we'll touch a little bit on, on the Calvin Ridley situation because, you know, I, I think it's um, it may be the start of a slippery slope, but uh, <laughs> I guess I guess time will tell. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, you know, it used to be that Las Vegas was off limits to major sports just because of you know, the ease of access to sports books and, and, and what could happen and what we've seen right. happen in the past. I mean, you know, I think back to, um, you know, I, I'm a high school basketball referee and what happened with Tim Donaghy back in the, what was it, the early 2000s? You know, that, and that wasn't necessarily Absolutely. centered in Las Vegas, but I mean, that sort of thing can permeate sports, you know, pretty easily if you really think about it. So, um, you know, Vegas is a fun town uh, and, you know, hopefully – Hopefully nothing major happens that they're going to regret. I mean the sports leagues, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, it's it's becoming a destination for sports for sure. It really is, y'all. And I, I'll say this to that end, even bringing up Don, Donaghy, because I, it, it's funny when you look at some of the Raiders, and they have had some off the field issues uh, since they moved to Las Vegas, right? But I saw some people once the Calvin Ridley news hit yesterday say, "Wow, this is stunning," because I thought this could only happen in Vegas. And I think that the tongue-in-cheek point there is <laughs> professional athletes and, and even the Tim Donaghy situation, which was not centered in Las Vegas. If you're going to do silly things or stupid things or, you know, dare I say illegal things, they're going to happen pretty much anywhere in the United States. It's <laughs> right, not right. just exclusive to Las Vegas. So I think now the stigma of Vegas and being a sports pariah has finally gone away with the Raiders here. Yes. There might be more trappings that if you're a local, you have 24-7 access to any casino you would ever want. So I understand that part of it. But at some point, you're going to have to be an adult, no matter what walk of life you're in. And I don't think it's just germane to sports that you can coexist with it. You just know what you can and cannot do. And I think the Calvin Ridley situation kind of shows that point blank. He, he, He did it at Hard Rock, I believe, in Florida on an app in the state of Florida. So it had nothing to do with Vegas. But it has everything to do with the partnership that is gambling uh, and the NFL and, and gambling in major sports. So that partnership isn't going away. There's just too much money out there right now that Roger Goodell, the NFL specifically, and the other leagues. I mean, Adam Silver is the first commissioner I can ever remember absolutely embracing the notion of gambling. So when you're an authorized partner uh, by these leagues with some of these gaming companies out there, the die is cast. You are in bed with them. When the Calvin Ridley situations come up, you're going to have to nip them in the bud. I think they've done that with that minimum one-year suspension. Yeah. And again, look, I, I was in locker rooms growing up for, for 20 years in D.C. It's plastered on every stanchion inside of the locker rooms. You cannot gamble, period. Mm-hmm. There's no. It, it's not a situation where Calvin Ridley didn't know. He had to have known. So the, the monetary value really is not consequential. What is consequential is, the fact that he broke a rule that the NFL has in place, and now he's going to pay the price to the tune of $11 million for what he said was just a $1,500 wager. Sure. And oh, God. In, in Sorry. Kelsey, that just hurt. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – I, I think imagine, that's... Kelsey, you, you make no. a, a $1,500 wager and you lose your $11 million guaranteed contract 
for that $1,500 wager. I mean, like what that's the worst goes through time. your mind when you think <laughs> that that's a good idea. I, I can't fathom it. The, the, the blown thought away that, by that. The thought that goes through his mind is I'm invincible. Right? Yes. And yes. the stupid thing is he used an app where you're required to put in your personal information to do this, right? Instead of, mm-hmm. you know, if you really want to bet on the NFL, go through seven middlemen so that it's that much yep. diffi- that much more difficult to <laughs> cover to track your it tracks. Back to you. Exactly. And, Absolutely. I, and I'm not naive enough to think that that's not already going on. But, you know, at the same time. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You, you just can't be that that dumb. Um, Kelsey, you and I spent a lot of time at. Arlington Park, where, you know, it's a gambling facility, right? Horse racing is meant to be bet on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't have the, um, the the taboo factor that that sports has had with with sports gambling. And, and you know, now they're embracing it, of course. But uh, and I don't know if you've seen the, the headline that a, a jockey was suspended uh, recently for betting against himself during races. Now, this is, you know, gambling oh. in, in horse racing. It's, you know, the. Anybody can go up to a window and make a bet, especially now that most of the windows are just machines. People, or, uh, yeah, robots. Right, they're mm-hmm. just machines, yeah. right? That's right, yeah. And there's, I mean, there's cameras around and everything, but, you know, one of the things about the racetrack is normal people, right, everyday people, average people are involved in the game in some way, whether it be jockey, mm-hmm. trainer, agent, owner, whatever. Everybody can affect a race in some way, Right. An owner can say to a trainer, hey, I don't want my horse to win this race, mm-hmm. which the trainer then relays to the jockey, hey, finish second, right? I, I, again, right. I, I hope it doesn't happen, but I'm not naive enough to think it doesn't happen, um, you know, especially knowing horse racing's past. So, um, yeah, this, this is out there, and, and you know, I, I, I hope, but I don't think Calvin Ridley is going to be the last one we see come down with some sort of suspension like this. I just I think you got to so be a complete here. moron. I, like, I, I can't, I still can't get what's going through your head because, Brady, you know, you're talking about the track and you know, there were certain positions in particular, if you worked for the track where you were not allowed to bet, period. It was, right. it was a job, like, you will get fired because you have influence on the outcome of a race. Mm-hmm. So, like, certain security guards, for example, had direct contact with, people who are jockeys or who are trainers, et cetera, those positions actually had a higher, um, uh, what, whatever you call it, where they basically had a higher likelihood of being able to inf- race. And therefore, if they were caught gambling, they would immediately be dismissed. Um, whereas like in our department, it was more like a frowned upon, right? Sure. This, this is a whole nother idea of you didn't not know. And how could you be right. so stupid? <laughs> like, just it, like it just floors me. Well, I, I think what it does too, Kelsey, is if you take it from the gambler's perspective, okay, they're gonna go, "Oh my goodness, Calvin!" And you already see the videos pop up on social media of Calvin Ridley hopping out of bounds. Was it? Was he? You know, was he trying not to get the first down? Like, oh, all good these lord! Things that yeah, right, they all stem from this now. And this is the problem, right? I don't know Calvin Ridley at all. I don't, I don't. It doesn't sound like to me he has a gambling problem. I can't sit here and ever assume that he was trying to tank games because of a wager. Because apparently he bet on the Falcons. Not that that really makes a, a huge difference in this conversation. But the sure. point being is the gambler, 
they can lose and they can un- they can they can internalize it and say, all right, I was on the wrong side for X, Y, or Z. If mm-hmm. they think that it was because somebody was trying to throw the game in one direction or the other, that's where really it's intolerable. That's where it cannot cross that line. So yeah. this is a huge red flag to the NFL. It's a huge red flag to say we cannot allow whether or not Calvin Ridley, and again, I don't think there's any intent here to do anything uh, really that damaging to the game. Mm-hmm. So I just think the NFL has to say, hey, remember, you you are making X amount of money. So whatever your wager is, just just don't do it. Like stop yeah. doing this because even if your intent is hey, I'm just having a good time. It's, you know, he was off that week. He was not with the team for, uh, un, uh, I think it was a non-injury reason when he made this wager during football season away from the Falcons. Mm-hmm. You just cannot have that permeate in an NFL society because the gambler is going to go, why is that guy wagering on this game? That's information I didn't know. And mm-hmm. we know in the gambling space now, information is king. Yeah. 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 Um, you mentioned that this is going to be your, your first uh, oh. Vegas March Madness, Dave, and we've got Selection <laughs> Sunday yeah. coming up on uh, this this weekend, actually. And um, so, my goodness. oh my god, I I just can't imagine. Like, uh, I, I don't know how much you're working versus how much you're just going to be able to like enjoy. Um, you know, I don't know if it's Thursday right. and Friday or if it's like you know the the Sweet Sixteen <laughs> and the Elite Eight. You know, what's uh what what's the game plan for you this this uh, this March Madness? <laughs> well, th- this one being my first, like I just had y'all my first NFL full season here, and when I uh, left Chicago and came out here to Beeson uh, in Las Vegas, I literally started week one of the NFL season and doing the Green Zone uh, on Sundays. You know, it's it's I'm on for seven straight hours during the games during the afternoon uh, and the uh, the you know early slate in the second window slate in the afternoon until we get to Sunday night football. So watching day. it from that perspective, <laughs> it's a long day. It is nonstop. And it is the gambling implications are just through the roof as you're kind of live wagering, uh, you know, seven straight hours of NFL football. Now I'm not going to do that for March Madness. Cause I think my head would explode. That's like but 12 straight hours of games. Intense. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's going to be very intense out here. I am working a weekend. Uh, so while the games are going on, what we try to do is we know you already have your wager in before the game uh, has obviously started. But what we're really starting to find is in-game wagering, certainly halftime in college basketball and the NBA, more so in college basketball, obviously with March Madness. Now we'll get to the NBA uh, in a couple months for the playoffs. But we're finding that, that, that consumers of this are really integrated in live uh, you know, hey, my team's down. Gonzaga's is down eight in the first half. Well, we know how good the Zags are. So not only are they going to come back, they're going to come back and win this game. Let me see what that number is on the money line. So you're getting a lot of live wagers now with people on their apps. If you're at Circus Sportsbook or South Point Casino, where I work, uh, Circa on the weekends and South Point during the week. I mean, the books are constantly flooded with people walking up to the gate, either on their phone or really doing that, that ticket certainly at halftime and now even in game during timeout people are waging with those adjusted lines. So the numbers guys never sleep. They're always adjusting the numbers as the games are going on. And this is fascinating to me for somebody who's old school and, you know, halftime numbers were, boy, that, that felt like new. Now they're doing it in during, during the first half and the second <laughs> half during TV timeouts. It is nonstop with the adjustments of line and the consumer, there is no shortage of of want they definitely want and like this action 
you mentioned Gonzaga, and I, I haven't looked at the numbers. I haven't looked at, at you know, futures to win the NCAA tournament. I got to imagine they're the favorite mm-hmm. right now, right? They are. Yeah, they're the clear-cut favorite. As a matter of fact, y'all, they're about uh, 4 to 1 is what I'm seeing right now. So uh, about plus 400 here if you like the Zags. That was as of last week. I know they're struggling again with St. Mary's tonight. I don't, I don't know that if they win or lose the WCC, if that's going to change. Uh, the way that the uh, the books look at Gonzaga. But they're an interesting team, Brady, because, you know, even in the last decade or so, yeah, we all take Gonzaga seriously. They might get three bids from the WCC, which is something I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. <laughs> right. So the respect that the Zags have now, right, they are they're a blue blood. I mean, they're, they're now with the Kentuckys and the Dukes and, you know, the, the teams that we just say, yeah, it's that name. Uh, you have a kid going to that program. We know that's going to be a top five school. That's where the Zags are. It's reflected reflected in the betting market. And I'm not surprised anymore that people just assume that the Zags are, a, I don't want to say a lock. I think they're about even money right now to be a Final Four team. But plus $4 right now is what you get the Zags. And that's before they even know who the draw is. Yeah. That shows you the respect that the Zags have now in the betting community. Well, I'm glad that the the two favorites made the WCC final because my Hoosiers are hanging by a thread to NCAA (laughs) tournament possibilities, and I need every conference favorite to win their tournament so that as many at-large bids as possible are available. You're in good shape, Brady. You think so? Not a lot of upsets. Yeah, Yeah. not a lot of upsets so far in the conference tournament. So this helps out Indiana. I had this discussion today with Les Reynolds, who's my co-host, and he's also an Indiana grad. And so he believes that the Hoosiers have to beat Michigan yes. uh, in the first game of the Big Ten tournament to get in. I, you might be okay now, but if you clearly beat the Wolverines, then I think the Big Ten becomes a nine-bid league, and I think you're absolutely in. But right now you're firmly on that bubble, and you hope it doesn't burst with a loss to the Wolverines as they get to Juan Howard back. Yeah, Lunardi had us first, literally the first team out uh, of the tournament looking in yeah. and you know I, I need a Rutgers loss I need a I need an SMU loss <laughs> uh, I need a lot of help here um, Kelsey you can tell I'm stressed about <laughs> this because like wait, when you're when your team is in the the NCAA tournament it is a different level of stress as a college basketball fan <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine although you're a DePaul grad so every now and then you, the, the Blue Demons get in the in the big dance well, I was going to say I'll, I'll say this though uh, when I do look at it and you know, I, I think Indiana right now, eyeball test is one of the best 68 teams in the country, but is the resume good enough? And, and that's where the committee has to do the job of, are we taking the best teams every year on the bubble, or are we taking the teams that we think have earned it with more victories? Because sometimes the best team is not the team that has the best resume. And there is a distinction to be made there. So are they just going to just go off quality wins? Or are they going to go off the eyeball test of how good Indiana looked, even in defeat against Purdue last week? And again, I do think the Juwan Howard game, I say that because he'll be coming back off that suspension. I think you're going to get a motivated Michigan Wolverines team. Hey, if Indiana gets blown out, then maybe they're clearly not deserving. But this is another nip and tuck affair, and they lose by one or lose by two. I think it's going to be a really tough decision for the committee to make for Indiana. Yeah, definitely. And and I don't want to turn this into a Hoosiers podcast as much as I'd love to, but, you know, they, <laughs> they've – They've had some injuries to, you know, their, their sixth and seventh yeah. guy, you know, off the bench in, in Rob Finnessy and Trey Galloway. And then that game at Northwestern. Now, objectively, Indiana is better than Northwestern, but that game at Northwestern where five guys were suspended, including a couple of starters, I mean, yeah. you know, that, that's a game that, that they probably should have had, you know, with, with those guys in the lineup. So 
Um, you know, Mike Woodson in his first year, um, you know, a lot, you know, if you, if you look at Indiana basketball Twitter, you're not going to find a lot of happy people with, with Mike Woodson. <laughs> but um, I think it's objectively better than what we had under Archie Miller. So, um, you know, things are looking up. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, the, the first year, yeah. the transition of a program, a lot of transfers coming in. Um, it, I don't know what your opinion is of Trace Jackson Davis. I think he needs at least another year because, you know, as, as we've gone on in conference play, he's flown under the radar. I w- I'm not going to say disappeared, but definitely flown under the radar um, as, as the Hoosier star. And, you know, it's, at 6'9", he's not a 5 in the NBA, yeah. and he doesn't have an outside game. So where does he fit in the league, right? I, I think he comes back to college. I think he would behoove him to do that. I think you're right. The talent oozes from the big man. I mean, it's clearly there, but you wonder where it goes from time to time. So if, if I'm Mike Woodson, I say, hey, look, I'm never going to tell a kid if he's a projected first rounder. I don't know that he projects uh, to be a high picket in the NBA draft. But if he does not, I give him the straight scoop. And I say, hey, look, if you want to go for your family and for you and you think you're ready, go with the grace of God. But if you really want to come back to Indiana basketball next year and help us become what we used to be, be at Indiana back in the day and improve your draft, draft stock precipitously, come on back for one more year in Indiana. You're going to grow. We're going to grow. And it's going to only improve your draft stock next year. If you can sell that to them, I think Indiana, whether they make the tournament or not this year, that will be a huge, huge start to the 2022 season for next year. Yep. He's still got eligibility left, so lots to decide there on TJD. Um, give me a, uh, as we wait for Kelsey to come back here, um, give me like a, a 15 to one, 20 to one, um, you know, sleeper to, to make the final four or hell win the whole thing. Well, I'll never say that this team is a sleeper because they're a blue boy, but when you can get Duke at 10 to one to win the national championship, you better get it now before they start the ACC tournament. If you watch Mike Krzyzewski, after losing to North Carolina in the last game ever at Durham and the kids are crying and it, you would have just thought that what well, the end, the, the end of, uh, end of days has happened here to the Duke Blue Devils. Okay. <laughs> he was livid. It was almost yeah. embarrassing <laughs> the way he had to address the crowd when he told them to shut up and listen yeah. to me that this was unacceptable. I mean, I was howling laughing at that because Krzyzewski's like, you guys are riding me out into the, into the pasture we still have basketball to play. Mike Krzyzewski is not ready to go out like this and be like, all right, yeah, everything was great. Let's look back. He doesn't want to look back until it's over. And so for mm-hmm. him, he's trying to tell his kids, this isn't over yet. And Duke at 10 to 1 to win the national championship. And don't tell me that the committee is not going to try to find the best pathway to ensure that the Dukies at least get to the Final Four. It's good for ratings. It's good for college basketball. It's good for the swan song. It's good for the for the movie that'll come out in ten years from now. So I think K at ten to one is one of the best value plays you're going to get out there right now in the futures market for the NCAA tournament. Wow, uh, Kelsey. Before you had to step away for a second, we were we were talking uh-huh. about um, our, our favorite college basketball teams, and, and you being a DePaul grad, um, we we're talking about how the, the yeah. stress is a little different. When, when March rolls around and uh, you being a DePaul grad, you know, the Blue Demons don't make the tournament every year, but, uh, you know, every now and then they, they hop in there, right? Yeah, I mean, I saw one basketball game uh, while I was there, and I was there for two years, not four, but um, I saw one game. And I want to be clear, the reason that we saw them was because they were playing Notre Dame. Right. Right. Oh, wow. 
So in, in well, fact, it had nothing to do with DePaul. <laughs> okay, Kelsey, I'm going to show my age now. Okay. <laughs> when okay. I was a kid, DePaul was the way we speak of Duke today. As a matter of fact, yes. there was not Duke at this point. It was DePaul. It mm -hmm. was Ray Meyer and then Joey mm -hmm. Meyer that took over after his dad retired. And DePaul, when I was a kid, was always in the top five, if not number one in the country. It's something that I still can't understand mm. with some of these city schools like DePaul in Chicago, like St. John's in New York City, how they can't figure out how to tap back into the local product and make those programs great again. It was done before. It's not like it has not been done. So when I look at DePaul struggling, it looks like they're starting to turn the corner again. I, I, it just always stuns me that they're not better the way they used to be because now I guess kids want to get out of the cities they grow up in and not yeah. stay. If you look, Chicago has talent. We all know that. Sure. So you've got to figure out a way. Job number one is recruit Chicago. And if you can do that, then I promise you'll go back as a proud alum and watch more DePaul basketball. I, yeah, I, I think uh, the only thing I really know about successful DePaul basketball was that the fitness center was named The Ray after Ray Meyer. Yeah. <laughs> Ray. I mean, that was it. <laughs> That's his legacy as far as as far as I'm concerned, unfortunately. There well, was wow. that. I think a I think lot of the, the problem too, Kels, and you as a student can can relate to this. You know, I, I know you, you went to one game and even if you had intended to go to more, you know, when you were there they were playing at Allstate and now they're at Wintrust yep. in, in the South Loop. Both right. of those places are nowhere near campus. That's a, I was that's gonna a, say that's that. a problem. It's, if I were if I were inclined, um, it wouldn't have been easy regardless. No, Granted, I'm no. from the area, so, you know, actually, them being at Allstate was just fine because I live in the northwest suburbs when I wasn't living downtown. It's not like it's, you know, some somewhere I've never been or anything, but it's definitely not like, <laughs> hey, you can walk there, right. um, which, of course, is <laughs> right. what it is for any other campus. Yep. So I agree, but. Well, I, I, hmm. I went to VCU in Richmond, Virginia, and when I was in, in college at Virginia Commonwealth, the, uh, where the basketball team played was about 25 minutes from campus. We used to have to bus out there. It was wow. ridiculous. Okay. And since I left, they got an on-campus facility, and the place <laughs> business is booming. All you got, it doesn't have to be a grandiose uh, spot. It doesn't have to be a 20,000-seat uh, arena. You sure. can make a small, quaint 5,000-seat arena and do it on campus for DePaul and make that place rock. It will. If the students mm -hmm. can roll out of bed and go to a game, They'll roll out of bed and go to a game. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, and I was also on the the northern campus. I was in the, the Lincoln Park campus, um, and so the fact that there are split campuses there, I think, is a, another yeah. kind of hurdle. I don't know if every it's school, hard. yeah, has that. I'm not super familiar with a ton of city colleges, but um, that could be, I suppose, uh, one reason. Not like I'm giving anyone any credit or anything. I'm, <laughs> happy to just be like yeah get your shit together um but i will say i only saw one game and it was for notre dame it was not for <laughs> that's understandable fair enough well hey dave the the other reason we wanted to have you on and, and we talked a little bit about this last week and, and over the last uh, uh -huh. two weeks you know uh russia has invaded ukraine and um you being a u.s marine and um uh, you know, active during desert storm and, and the gulf war you know I, I figured you could relate a little bit to to what was happening in Ukraine <laughs> yeah. and 
So, you know, I, I read a headline where Russian soldiers were sent to a place and they weren't being told they were going into combat. I mean, can you just imagine that as a soldier being, you know, given orders to, to mobilize and not knowing where you're going or what you're doing? No, that's, that's a tough one because, again, you kind of like to have everything outlined for you. But I will say this. And when, when you take the oath, and when you do, it is an actual oath that you raise your right hand and say. And basically that says you will uh, defend the United States against enemies foreign and domestic. And really, we don't have a say in where we are deployed to go. So when I was activated to go to the Gulf War with me and my fellow Marines, it's not like I could say, hey, give me the blueprint for what's going on. They did give it to us once we got it to Saudi Arabia to let us know, hey, here's exactly. Now, we, we knew what was going on because Saddam Hussein had invaded Kuwait months earlier. We didn't go until January. He had invaded in August. So there was time to kind of understand, hey, reading the tea leaves, we might need to go over there and defend uh, possibly Saudi Arabia because now they've taken over Kuwait uh, against Saddam Hussein and his forces. So you could kind of see it playing out on the world stage. For those Russian soldiers that maybe did not know exactly why, you can make the case that when you take, and I'm assuming they take an oath to their country, similar to what we do in ours, that you know once you do that, once you sign up uh, for, for the military, you really don't have the right anymore to say whether or not we should be going or not. And that's why when I went overseas, I had fraternity brothers at VCU that were against the war. And while I might have not enjoyed that, I for they have every right to object to it because they're not enlisted in the service. I did not have that right. I gave that right up when I joined the Marine Corps. And, and not giving it up in a bad way, but giving it up in a way that, hey, now I've signed up to defend my country. And if this is what our president at the time says, well, this is what we need to do, then that's, that's the deal. It, it really wouldn't have mattered who the commander in chief was for me. Uh, because I have to follow what the commander-in-chief says to do. I'm assuming that would be similar to them, but yet you would like to know exactly what you're facing, who you're facing, and what you're coming up against. And in my instance, thank God, it was all clearly laid out by uh, you know General Powell and General Schwarzkopf and uh, back then President Bush, who was the commander-in-chief. So I, I look back on those days finally and say, at least the leaders that I had in the time that I was going to war let us know exactly what the objective was, who the enemy was, how we were going to combat the enemy, and what the exit strategy was. So we had all of those things laid out. I don't know if the Russian troops have the same information as they're going into Ukraine. I could find that to be, uh, boy, a little bit disconcerting if you are fighting somebody that is technically somebody you look at as one of your own. I'm not equating it to if we attacked Canada but it would feel similar to a border country that we have a lot of the same, how, how else could you say it, but blood relatives that are yeah. you know, Ukrainian and or Russian, and now you're crossing into their territory and being asked to do some things that just seem uh, the most heinous things that you could be asked to do as a military member. And, and help us understand a little bit of, uh, of why this is happening. Is it, is it as simple as a governmental takeover? Well, from what from Russia's perspective, from what I can gather from it, Putin believes that some of the territories in Ukraine where were, I guess, traditionally or uh, he says that they were they claim those lands, that those were should be their lands or Russia's by nature. And they were taken away from them uh, illegally 
or incorrectly, and now he's going to take them back. It is a similar argument to what Saddam Hussein had to say about Kuwait. We all know that that's not true, that because you claim that that is your territory. And I mean, oh, my goodness, we've seen this in, uh, you know, between Israel and Palestine for literally generations of fighting yeah. over land that you believe is yours, right? So I think that's where Putin is coming from in this instance, saying this is our territory. We're going to take it back. Now, how do you go from that to them taking over the entire territory of Ukraine? I do not know because that does not seem logical. But all of it seems to me to be fighting over land. And where NATO really is is concerned about is if they are successful in taking over the Ukraine, then you are now bordering Europe. And now what would be next in that progression? Again, if you're I'm fascinated by by the history of war. I hate war. I'm never rooting for war. But it is fascinating to me to look back on dictators, whoever they might be, and see what their plan was. And again, you can go back as we have not seen a European uh, fight since World War II. And this is why I think so many people are just, you know, if, if it's the theater of the absurd or just you cannot believe what's happening in 2022 is because that was in the 1940s. And here we are 80 years later, and you are now potentially on the precipice of a World War III. And uh, again, if you just study history, we're not, none of us uh, were around in those days to really fully appreciate, but we know people who were there and listening to the stories of what they went through, uh, you don't want that on anybody. And if, if the belief is, if Putin is able to take over Ukraine, why in the world would you just believe that he would stop there? Right, right. I, it does not, it, it never seems to be that a, somebody that wants to take over somebody else's land they're not satisfied once they do that. It's it's normally the means to a, a bigger end. Yeah, and, and one of the things Kelsey and I were, were talking about last week, uh, she had to step away again, but um, just how surreal, um, you know, watching this happen. You know, it, we're, we're both in our mid-30s, and, and we're incredibly young when, um, you know, when, when you guys went over to uh, Saudi Arabia and, yeah. and, and Kuwait. and. You know, I obviously couldn't comprehend exactly what was happening, but you know, to see to see this play out um, and get video from uh, a million different sources, you know, apparently some of it not so not yeah. so real, but you know, just seeing this happen in, in the age we live in, just the the surreal nature of it. Um, you know, e- even with you know uh, two thousand one and, and September eleventh, and, and when we you know launched the the invasion of Iraq, um, you know, even that was. A little bit different, I think, because I remember, Dave, the the night that we went in, we launched rockets from boats in the ocean. You know, it wasn't tanks right. rolling down the street. You know, uh, it's a little bit different no, imagery. Exactly, Brady. Well, that's why the imagery does harken back to a to a forgotten, not forgotten time, but to a, a time you know, eighty years ago to World War II, where you saw that with the Germans. And so, when you see that happening today in Ukraine, you go, what in the world am I watching? This cannot be real life. And yet it is. And, and, and you're right. When you watch these things uh, play out on American television, and all you have to do is, if you turn on the news, that's the 24-7 conversation. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be. I mean, this is these are, these are some of the most bizarre and troubling times that you're ever going to see. And when you see people, I don't care what country it's in, if you see this happening and tanks rolling into your, I, I couldn't even imagine if that was happening in the United States. And and to think that that's happening in the Ukraine right now, and you know, I'm sure other people are like, hey, don't forget about us. We've got other wars and conflicts being 
fought around the world uh, in, in places that maybe don't get the same exposure that this does. But again, I, I think the reason why this one is impacting so many people on so many different levels is you feel like this would not be the end. And whether, you know, you assume, right, yeah, Putin's going to be satisfied by taking over Ukraine. Um, I, I think people in Europe say, I don't know if I would trust that right. after never thinking that this could happen. Who knows what the next thing potentially could happen? Yeah. And and I, I don't envy our government's position. And I don't mean to open the, the can of worms that is politics in this country in 2022. But yeah, um, no. the the responsibility of America in protecting allies and protecting the world, um, the decisions that have to be made don't come lightly to anybody. Right. Whatever whatever yeah. side of the aisle you fall on. So. Um, you know, ultimately, it stops with our commander in chief, Joe Biden, right now. And, I, you know, I can't imagine the discussions that are happening about, you know, at what point do we consider sending you know, boots to the ground in Ukraine? I, I don't know if that's even on the table right now or, um, you know, what the not, possibilities it, could it, be. It's, it's not on the table. They say it's not on the table now, Brady. But but again, that is a very you have to kind of project. And I think what you're doing there is asking the responsible question to. Well, if this escalates, then what does that mean for American troops? W would that then change? Because he says that is not on the table. Well, that's not on the table today as we speak. That does not mean that it could not be on the table if this progresses. So the sanctions have come in. They've been heavy-handed. We saw today they're going to block the export of Russian oil to the United States. Well, okay, th that sounds good, like you're going to really cut down their economy and the cash flow to try to take away the economy of Putin to fund this war. But you can kind of look at it and say, well, he's got other pathways in other countries that will be happy to take up the rest of those reserves that the United States isn't going to take. So we're going to suffer in the United States for what's going on overseas. And some people are going to start to say, to what end? What is the point of this if Putin could then just channel that oil money and go to other countries that would gladly pay for it. It, it, it. I think it is naive to believe that we can win this, quote unquote, win this in air quotes uh, from afar. So if you, if, I, I, I hope Ukraine can defend themselves. They've done a good job to this point. But you wonder, I wonder, just from a military perspective and background, how long they can really survive this onslaught if the most that we can do from afar is sanctions. Right. Will and, that be enough? And, and, you know, time will tell whether or not it is. And I'm not advocating boots on the ground at all, because I'll tell you this, the happiest day of my life is coming home. So I would never want to tell somebody's family they're going to send your kid over there to fight for somebody else's interest. I, I would never do that. But, again, when you do sign up in the United States military, you do take that oath, and if the, the commander-in-chief does have the legal authority to do just that. So while it's off the table right now, that does not mean that it would be off the table forever. And I know that they've been talking, right? Russia and Ukraine have been have been talking. I, I don't know how productive it's been. Kind of feels like, you know, maybe a parallel with Major League Baseball where they're kind of deadlocked. But, um, you know, hopefully, right. hopefully, hopefully that gets resolved uh, soon. And um, I, I thought it was interesting that Russia was going to allow humanitarian ceasefires. Um, I don't know if that, there's precedent for that because it, it kind of feels like if Russia wanted to uh, take over this country, they wouldn't allow anybody to leave or, or any goods to come in, right? Yeah. It, it, it seems odd. And 
you know, Putin has said, hey, look, I'm not trying to hurt the people. I'm just just trying to take over the strategic parts of Ukraine. Well, people are getting hurt, whether the intent is there or not. So when I see something like that, I'm thinking, well, that sounds wonderful. But the, the implementation of that, how does that work? How does that look? So I think Putin has said a lot of things to try to be, if there's any way to try to be PC in a war, that's how you do it. But the reality is you can just look and see what's happening in Ukraine. And it's hard for me to have, all right, yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice noble thing to do in the middle of taking over somebody else's territory. It, it's a tough uh, square of the circle, if you will, when you try <laughs> to like give me a couple points here for humanitarian efforts. Meanwhile, I'm literally killing people who have nothing to do with the military, and they are civilians that are being bombed uh, indiscriminately. When, when that stuff happens, to me, it's, it's hard to find any rationale for what the aggressor says or does. Yeah, I, I watched a, a video yesterday of a Ukrainian vlogger or blogger, whatever you call him these days, and he was recording a video mm -hmm. from his phone and a missile hit directly over his head. I mean, that's, uh, I, I, I can't I mean, imagine. It, it, it is. And again, Brady, I mean, again, politics aside, I, like we talked about, I, I really do not care which side of the political aisle you're on. My heart goes out to any country that's, uh, that's being attacked. I don't know how else to put it. And, you know, they're, they're literally on foot trying to get to Poland, trying to get to other neighboring countries and get out of their homeland. That, that is um, disheartening. Wouldn't even begin to describe it when you see that happening. And, and for what? It, it's because one person believes that his country is, uh, has the territorial rights uh, based through history that this is supposed to be their land. I mean, that, that's, what, that's what this is supposedly is about. And, you know, I'm not of Russian or Ukrainian descent, so I can't really say uh, whether or not that's factual or not. But it's just from the outside looking in, it's always tough to understand why in the world you would kill innocent people in the name of territory, in the name yeah. of conquering something that you believe belongs to you, whether it is, if in fact it does or does not. It's just, it's heartless to me when innocent people die and in any war, any conflict, whatever you want to call it, that's exactly what's going to happen. Bring it back stateside for just a minute or two before I let you go here. I, I alluded to Major League Baseball's deadlock uh, a little bit earlier, and I I'm wondering if there's odds in Las Vegas um, on either the number of games or just straight up, will there be a baseball season this uh, this year or not? <laughs> I, I haven't seen it yet, but I would not put it past our people out here in Vegas to have that lineup uh, very soon. I, I think they're going to have a season, Brady. I if you're Rob Manfred and the way that you've mismanaged this thing to get to the point that we are today with Major League Baseball is almost incredulous. I, it, it almost startles even I at this stage to think that baseball can be this naive, to think that you can do this to a fan base. Hey, COVID was one thing, and people didn't even like that. The NFL, by the way, just pushed on. I mean, the NFL just said, we're going to keep doing this. They didn't shut down. They played baseball, shut it down. COVID season, half a season, Dodgers win. And now you can't use the COVID excuse anymore. And baseball is going to do irreparable harm. The same harm that I witnessed in 1994 when they shut it down, which ended up making the Montreal Expos leave. They were in first place that year. 
They go on to win the World Series. Montreal might still have a franchise today. Sure. They, yeah. they got it back a little bit with the home run chase with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire back in the day. But it still never reached the level that it had pre-1994 lockout strike, whatever you want to call it. And baseball, if they do this again in 2022 with as many different things that not just the gambling public, but the general public can go to, they'll find other sports. Heck, the USFL is going to start off this spring. They'll get eyeballs. Major League Baseball, if they're not already a niche sport, is in danger of becoming soccer, which is you're going to have a passionate fan base. People will get up to watch, and others just won't. And that's where baseball is headed. And they can do all the tinkering with pitch clocks and bigger bases and ghost men in extra innings. Do all that stupid stuff, Rob Manfred, because it's <laughs> never going to do what you think it's going to do. Like they're, they're, they just do not see the big picture for why their sport is dying. But it is dying. Make no mistake. It is dying. And I'll always love baseball. I'll always watch baseball. But I do not speak for the millennials and for the kids coming up now that are like, nah, don't really need baseball. Never really been a part of my life. They won't be going forward. They've been a part of my life. They'll stay with it, but I'm older. The group they're trying to get doesn't care about them because they give them no reason to. So when you give them less of a product and you keep tinkering with the game, thinking this is what's going to get the kids' attention, they have no clue what they're doing. It's literally (laughs) the blind leading the blind in Major League Baseball. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we have Kelsey back, right? Hey, Kels. Ooh. Hey. <laughs> Good <laughs> Lord. I hope you all enjoyed the podcast. I can't wait to listen in later. <laughs> well, and Kelsey brought up a good point last week about uh, baseball and the strike and, and this work stoppage. The White Sox have been screwed both times because they were really good in 1994 <laughs> and they're really good in 2022. Yeah. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully, <laughs> to your point, Dave, they do have a season, but uh, I guess only time will tell. I, again, I, I think they will, but but really, it's the bigger question of, I get it. And I have a lot of friends of mine that played in the game, recently retired from the game, still involved with Major League Baseball. And they, you know, they kind of scream at, hey, it's the owner's fault. Hey, it's the owner's fault. And guess what? It, they may very well be, but nobody cares anymore. And I know the players hate the argument, oh, it's billionaires against millionaires. They hate that. And they go, do you realize that only – you know, the top 10% are making X amount of money and the lowest 10% are only making 300000 I go, do you even hear yourselves? <laughs> like, do, do, you, do you really think that that, that argument is going to resonate with the fans that are paying $25 to park and $10 for a beer and, and you know, another 7 for a hot dog to go watch you play? And you think that argument is the winning argument? You hear yourself. <laughs> How so, delusional so are you? Players, yes. And while the baseball players, I think, are right that the owners are being greedy, it's a sport that has so much TV money. You are, it's flush with money. There's enough to go around. And when that is your argument about service time and how we should get even more, it just doesn't resonate. So while I think the players are right, I always t- tell the players, it doesn't matter. You're losing your fan base and you're squabbling with rich. That's what you're doing. It sounds like rich kids arguing over why we don't are not even richer. And the general public just doesn't get it. And they don't support it. And they'll keep watching football. They'll keep watching basketball. They'll keep watching MMA. They'll go to, uh, they'll go to you name it. They'll go to golf. They'll start betting on yeah. golf. 
They'll watch games that are actually happening versus games that are being canceled. But we want to justify in your eyes why we're right and why they're wrong. They're more, they're more concerned about winning an argument than winning over their fan base. And that's a big yep. problem with Major League Baseball. Yep, spot on. And the longer this goes on, said. yeah, that's it, very true. The longer this goes on, the more oh. mad I get at, at both sides because it's like, come on, you get paid yeah. millions of dollars to play a kid's game. And I, I get it. You want fair pay and the, the numbers are relative yeah. to a point. But yeah, like like you said, you know, someone complaining about making three to four hundred thousand dollars when, you know, the average American makes what, 60? I mean, it's like, come on, man. Correct. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the silliest arguments you're ever going to hear. And, and I just look at it and I go, man, I wish you guys would play back what you're saying and how you're justifying why you won't accept this offer. And whether it's a good offer or a bad offer, I was part of those negotiations uh, with, the, with the NFL when they had the, the 2011, if you remember that brief uh, lockout, mm-hmm. and they didn't have training camp for a little bit. Now, they ended up playing that season on time. But I remember them and, and listening to the players' arguments and saying that they signed a bad deal with the NFL. Yes, the NFL owners won that deal. Guess what really didn't matter in the end? The football players, they were fine with it. At the end, yeah, they took a little bit less to play a game they love to play and get paid handsomely to do it. So is it the best deal? No. Are the owners greedy? Absolutely. Are they probably in the wrong? I would say probably 90%, yeah. And at the end of the game, it does not matter if you have no game. Job number one, if you're the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, and if you're the leader of the Players Association, is we play our sport, period. And if you can't agree to that, if you can't figure out with all this money on the table, a way to at least play the game that the fans used to love to watch, you really do not get it. And they kind of get what they deserve at this point. I'm done crying for Major League Baseball. I did it in the 90s. And I'm not going to do it again. If they play, it's wonderful. I'll watch. If they don't, good riddance. I'll move on to something else. Well said, my friend. Well said. We'll leave it at that. Um, enjoy March Madness in the desert. I'm jealous. It's on the bucket list to get out there for the first like weekend. If, if nothing else, that, that Thursday and Friday when there's 16 games each day, it's on the bucket list. So, uh, Dave, wait. thanks so much for doing this. We, we kept you longer than I intended to, but that's, uh, that's okay. That was good stuff, man. Hey, great talking to you and Kelsey as always. I appreciate y'all. And uh, yeah, come on out to Vegas. We're open 24-7. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right, man. We'll let you get to it. <laughs> See you guys. All right. Thanks, thanks buddy. Lots of great stuff there from Dave Ross of VSIN out in Las Vegas. And yeah, Kelsey, I'm jealous of him being in Las Vegas, the gambling capital of the world for you know, specifically the, those first couple days, right? Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament where there's 16 games each day. I mean, just uh, you talk about being a sports fan in heaven. That's it right there. Well, and also the weather. That too. I'm going yeah. to bring it back to the weather. The jerk talking about how he hasn't worn a coat. This is ridiculous. I know. He, <laughs> he went from Chicago to Las Vegas, and we didn't even talk to him about how it was 68 degrees here this past Saturday. And then we got two inches of snow yesterday. I mean, just ridiculous. Yes, our gift of Saturday followed by some snow. And I've said it here before, and I'm going to say it again. The snow is okay in February, but I swear to God, in April, it's not welcome here anymore. So it better get the hell out of Dodge. Get it out now. Have a little bit of a rough March. Yep. 
Was it in like a lion out like a lamb? Right, right, or vice versa. Right, we get one or the yeah. other on, on either well, end. Well, it so. better be going out like a fucking lamb. <laughs> if not, I'm gonna be rolling heads over here. <laughs> All right. Well, next week is TBD on what we're gonna have to talk about. Maybe a baseball season. Maybe not. Maybe maybe the Bulls will have won a game. We didn't even talk about the Bulls, but they've lost like five straight. So yeah, not, we don't need to go there. <laughs> We've been just talking well. good things about them. Let's keep it there for now. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, until then, I'm Brady. And I'm Kelsey. And we'll be back.